0: Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Well, as you know, we started the year in a snowstorm, and uh, I was Scrooge when it started snowing. Any other people that are Scrooge when it starts snowing? Okay, thank you. For all of you that, oh, it's so pretty, All right, so (laughs) let me just tell you something. I don't like snow, and I don't like storms. And we started the year with both of them, everybody. And uh, I've been in some storms. I've lived in enough places in the nation. I've been in earthquakes. I've been in tornadoes. I've been in hurricanes. I've been in lightning storms. I've been in a lot of storms, and I don't like storms. But what happens when we enter a new year with new hopes And we've set new goals, and we have new resolutions, but we have old problems. Let me say it another way. What do you do when you enter a new year with new hopes, but you're in an old storm? (laughs) It kind of sounds like where America is right now, doesn't it? I mean, just because the pages of the calendar have turned over doesn't mean the unresolved issues of 2020, 2021... (laughs) We go back farther, 2019, 28, it it, it would be nice if life was like an etch-a-sketch and whenever January 1 came, you got to shake everything up and all the bills and all the debt and all the problems and all the people problems just magically went away, right? Wouldn't that just be wonderful? And, and and But the reality is it's a new year and maybe we could have some new hope, but the reality is we've got some old storms. And Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter number 7 that we're going to have storms. Matter of fact, he goes into this. I learned this when I was a kid in Sunday school th- that he taught us about the wise and the foolish builder. Anybody remember this in children's church? The wise and the foolish builder. The wise man built his house upon the rock anybody know this song the wise man built his house upon the rock come on everybody now (laughs) and you say that a few times and then it says and the rains came tumbling we've had some rain haven't we everybody right and and then the song goes on and says the rains came down and all those little kids would go the rains came down and the floods went up aren't you glad i'm not your music leader here everybody and the rains came down, and the floods went up, but the house on the rock stood firm. And we like, oh, yeah. But then the verse two it say, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And then it goes on, the rains came tumbling down, and the rains came down, and the floods went up, and the house of the Lord. What did it do? that's pretty good that's right we have a theologian in the room everybody come on now because that's exactly what the bible says well not in the original greek it doesn't say boom but it does say and the house on the sand fell flat and all those little kids would jump on the floor and lay as flat as we could And then the Sunday school teacher, when we were all laying on the floor, seeing who could get the flattest, everybody was laying on the floor, and then she would start singing, So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good advice to a little five-year-old. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the house on the Lord stands firm. And then it says this, I love this last little part. Come on, don't you feel like you're in children's church this morning? Let me roll out my flannel graph for all of you today. And as the, pray, as the blessings came down, because the prayers went up, and the blessings came down when the prayers went up. I know you came for much more meat than that, but can I admonish you to know that I learned all I needed to learn about storms as a five year old in children's church, laying flat on the ground, knowing that if I would build on the principles of God's word, there is no pandemic, there is no storm, there is no political party. Come on, there is no devil in hell that could take out the person. Come on, everybody. Now, I was hoping you would get clapping because some of us aren't living as though that we are more than conquerors over the storm. We are depressed that we've come into a new year and we still got an old storm. Mm -mm. Psalms 91, shadow dwellers, part number two. Psalms 91 makes some powerful proclamations, and at least for the next three, maybe four weeks, we're going to dig into it a little bit, and and last week I abbreviated it a little bit, so let me just kind of continue to put the foundation down, because I think the rest of Psalms 91, most of the time, Psalms 91, we just quote verse number one and two. I'm going to get to verse number two today. Uh, I almost got through verse number one last week everybody. I almost made it but let's look at it again. Psalms 91 verse number one and two. We'll just look at verse number one right here. It says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. He who dwells in the secret place and I'm going to resist the temptation to reteach and to re-preach all of that but as I was standing on the front row last week and we were doing that last song I just felt that there was some things that I didn't say that needed to be said so without re-preaching them if you want to connect all the dots go back and listen to last week but let me let me just pull out a couple more thoughts and then we're going to get into verse two it says he that dwells And I know I spent a considerable amount of time last week talking about dwells, but I ask this question, I ask, where are you dwelling? And as we enter into another year, I want to ask you that question again, where are you dwelling? It's easy right now to dwell on all the problems that are happening in the world, all the problems that are happening in America, all the problems that are happening in Mount Vernon, all the problems that are happening at your work, all the problems that are happening in your house. It's easy to dwell on that. But the question is, where are you dwelling? Because where you, what you think about is where you go about in life. And so the question is, what, where, where are you living right now? Are you, dwell, are you dwelling with God? Are you living with God? Now, in case you guys didn't know this, my wife and I, we've been married 33 years, and we live together. And it's okay, I have a piece of paper that says it's allowed, all right? We, we live together, and we live together because we made a covenant. We made a covenant in front of witnesses called groomsmen and bridesmaids. We, we made a covenant in front of our family and our friends, and we made a covenant in the sight of God. Side note real quick, old-fashioned preacher uh, warning coming out. Stop living together out of wedlock or stop living together if you're not under God's covenant. Ah, I know, now you're mad at me and don't want to listen to the rest of the sermon. Because God's blessing comes when we choose to do it His way. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. under. Everybody wants to abide, but not everybody wants to dwell In the principles, come on, of God's Word. Mm -hmm. We all want the shadow. We all want the protection. We all want the favor. We all want the blessing. And I know that it's grace that does that for us. But God puts some principles in our life. Right, everybody? See, my wife and I, as I said, we live together, and so there's some things that happen just because we live together. We hang out, and uh, after 33 years, how many many of you that have been married a little while, you know you kind of start finishing each other's sentences, right, as well as disagreeing with each other's sentences, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And you start thinking alike a little bit, right? Thank God we don't start looking alike. Lord Jesus, that would be terrible, all right? And, uh, and, and we hang out and, and we cry and, and, and we laugh together and we dream together and we travel together. And guess what? Every day at the end of the day, if I'm not already home, at the end of every day, I come home to her. I never think about, oh, I'm not coming home. I never think, oh man, you know, because I'm married and because the law says so, I've got to go home to my wife. No, it's because I love her that I get to come home to her. Come on. He who dwells. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? when you live with God, you don't come to His house because you have to, you come to His house because you get to. You don't talk to Him because you have to, you talk to Him because you get to. You don't honor Him because you have to, you honor Him because you get to. Come on, I'm waiting for an amen. You don't give to Him because you have to, you give to Him because you get to. That's relationship. That's where dwelling begins. Not because I have to go there, but because I get to be in the presence of God. I read a story not too long ago about this soldier during the Civil War time, and he was placed out in a lonely place to do duty or guard or whatever out in the woods. And when he was out there in the middle of the night, just a little bit of moonlight coming through, and all of a sudden this fear overtook him. And he was just fearful that maybe he would be killed or he wouldn't make it through this war. And in the middle of the night, in the dark woods, he began to sing the old song, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Later, years later, when the war was over, he was in a conference meeting. And as the conference was breaking up, he began to sing that song again. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And one of the guys that was in the meeting said, hey, I've never met you but I think your voice sounds familiar. And he asked him, and they got to talking, and he said, you know what? That night we seen you by the moonlight, and I had all my men have their guns pointed on you. And right when I heard you singing, I said, men, don't shoot that man. See, that man in the woods understood what it was to have fear, but get into the presence of God, and he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High come on shall abide under the shadow of the almighty the shadow of the almighty i said watch this the next word that we came to and 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 i'm skipping some but the next word that we came to is secret place he who dwells in the secret place i just want to reiterate this point the safest place in the world to be is in christ the safest place is not to be in a political party the safest place is not to have a job that's paying you a bunch of money. the safest place, the safest place in the whole world, when the world is in a storm. I know this is very pediatric Christianity. I know this is very elementary, but every once in a while we need to come back to the basics and be reminded that the best place we can be when the world is going crazy is to build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now, right? And the safest place in the world we can be is in Jesus. Now watch this. The way we get in Jesus is through salvation. And once you are born again, you are now in the secret place. Let me say it another way. In the Old Testament, only the priest could get into the Holy of Holies, which is where the presence of God was. But now, because of Jesus, we are all a royal priesthood, and we all have access into the presence of God. Come on, that's good news, everybody. As a matter of fact, let me read some verses to you just to kind of prove this point. Hebrews 9.12 says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but Jesus, He entered the most holy place, the secret place, once for all by His own blood. He did it by His own blood. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Watch this. Thus obtaining eternal redemption. So you don't get in the secret place and then mess up and fall out of the secret place. Come on, man. Some of, there's Christians that I know that are schizophrenic Christians because they every little think evil, see evil, hear evil. They think they fall out of the secret place. No, His grace. Come on, aren't you glad? Is bigger than all of our mess ups. We're in the secret place because of Jesus. Matter of fact, last week I taught out of Ephesians chapter number 2. I said, and because of that, Jesus went and sat down at the right hand of the Father and invites us to sit with Him. Therefore, we are resting in the work of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we can get to Hebrews. uh, What's my next Hebrews verse? It says in chapter 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, the secret place, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did, we all can now come into the holy place or the secret place. And we come into the secret. So, so what I was telling you last week, the secret place is not a place that you have to be spiritual enough to find. That only some elite people find. The secret place, when you give your life to Jesus and you're living for Jesus, you have come into the presence of God through Jesus because of what He did. And now we're in the secret place. So, the promise is, He who dwells, come on, in the secret place of the Most High. And last week we went on and talked about the Most High and how you'll rest. And we talked about a shadow. And we didn't get to this word. So watch this. He who dwells in the secret place he who dwell he who lives in jesus because of the most high shall shall rest have have in in the storm everybody because of jesus we have rest Are you guys with me and we get to be in his shadow of the almighty remember last week you can only be in the shadow of something if you're close to it you can only be in the shadow of something if you're intimate or close or also depending on how big the object of the shadow is. Let me just hit this word, and then we're going to go to verse number 2. The Almighty. In in the Hebrew, the word Almighty means El Shaddai. All right, Uh, Do I have that up here? Almighty means El Shaddai. And and really what it is, is it means all-sufficient. Think about this for a minute. Because you're in Jesus, you're under the shadow of the all-sufficient God. If you're waiting for a Shazam Gomer Pile moment... You just missed. Because you're saved, you are in the shadow of the all-sufficient God. That means He doesn't have to go to the store to supply your needs. He doesn't have to go to the World Library to look up the answer to your problem. He doesn't have to go to the National Bank to supply your needs. He is all-sufficient by Himself, and you're in His shadow when you're a born-again believer. Come on. In other words, let me say it another way, his provision never runs out. Has he protected you so far? Then why has he protected you this far and he's not going to continue to protect you? Come on, can anybody say amen that he has provided for you? Come on, anybody? Has he provided? Has he healed? Has he delivered? Has he set free? Has he blessed you? He hasn't run out of one of those things. Even when the wind is blowing, he still has provision. He's still a good God. He still owns it all. Come on, everybody. He is all sufficient in himself. Woo! He's all sufficient. He's not dependent on anybody. He doesn't have to go to a boardroom and get approval. I said this last week. When he says something, his words are so powerful that if it wasn't the truth before he said it, it is forced to become the truth after he says it. Darkness, let there be light. What is light? What is light? What is light? And scientists are still finding universes because it's almost like he said this, let there be light, 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 light. And his words keep bringing light. And if one word can create light, all you need this morning is one word from El Shaddai. And I applaud you for coming to this place because I just want to get in the shadow of the all-sufficient God. And when you realize that you're in the shadow of the all-sufficient one, doesn't it kind of make the storms lack a little luster? See, see, we get in our mind that this is like superhero nation, like this is good versus evil. This is not good versus evil. This is God, El Shaddai, All-Sufficient, he didn't need to call armies together. He, he kicked the devil out of heaven. Come on, everybody. It, this is not good versus evil superheroes. This is God versus evil, and they tremble at the mention of his name, and you are dwelling in that shadow. I don't know how else to say it, everybody, right? Verse number two, then, opens up with something that just I hope it will rock your world like it does mine. Verse number 2 says, I will say. I'm going to stop right there. Because I want to ask the question, what are you saying? Matter of fact, I might push it a little bit farther. What are you typing? Okay, if that didn't get an ooh out of you, what are you texting? What are your two thumbs saying? What are you saying right now? I quit doing social media about six months ago because I couldn't stand anymore what was being said. And what was being said, I'm not talking about what was being said by the world. I'm talking about what was being said by the people of God that are supposedly dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, what are you saying? Are you saying how bad the world is? Are you saying how bad the government is? Are you saying how bad COVID is? or are you declaring i am a child of the most high come on everybody right what are you declaring i will say not just anything i will say of the lord come on how many have been in church long enough if you've heard this faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god Faith comes by hearing. Did you know fear operates the same way? Fear comes by hearing also. So the question is, is you can't say the right thing ah, if you're not hearing the right thing. Because we usually repeat what we hear. Faith comes by hearing. Watch this. And sometimes your ears need to hear your voice doing the declaring of God's word so that your faith will arise and your fear will not. Sometimes it's not just the preacher and the word that you need to hear. It's your own voice declaring, I am more than a conqueror. In all things, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Shall height or depth, for principalities or powers of darkness, come on nothing shall separate me luke chapter number 10 i have all power over all the powers of darkness i am the head and not the tail where i'm at is not where i have to stay in all things god works them together for those that are in christ jesus and called according to his purpose come on somebody what are you saying what are you saying jesus himself came on the scene and said whoever says to this mountain Mm -hmm. He didn't say whoever digs it out. He didn't say whoever worries about it. He doesn't say whoever does the most social media posts about it. He said whoever says to the mountain, get out of my way. Come on, right? What are you saying? We are created in the image of God. Would you give me that much? God stepped on nothing because there was nothing to stand on and said, let there be. His words created the world that we live in today. And He created us in His image. So your words create the world that you're living in right now. What world are you creating? Let me give you a little scripture proof to this so you'll quit looking at me like I'm a madman. The tongue has the power of life and death. It doesn't take two minutes to look at a five-year-old kid and see if they're growing up in a house that the parents are giving them life or the parents are critical and giving them death. In This environment, one of the things we talk about all the time is we want to be a life-giving church. Now, I'm gonna, it's going to look like I'm doing a detour, um, but if you'll hang with me through the detour... I think we'll connect the dot. All right, everybody? You ready for the detour? Luke chapter number 9. Those of you that came up in church, you'll know this as the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus goes up on the mountain. He takes three of his disciples up there, and they're supposed to be praying. There's evidence. Peter's with them. Peter falls asleep. Every prayer meeting there has ever been. The good news is he becomes the father of the New Testament church. If you struggle with praying, God can still use you. Thank you, Jesus, right? But watch this story just for a minute. It's going to look like a detour, but hang with me. And and, and the reason I bring this evidence to you today is because the psalm says, I will say. But I want to submit to you that you can't say the right thing if you're not hearing the right thing. See, coming to church for a 45-minute church service once every month is not going to contrast all of the negativity that you're hearing. Ah, Okay, I'll leave that. Let's go. Luke 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James, who he took, out of his 12, he took three, who he took up this mountain is very significant, we'll get to it, with him, and went up on the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, now we all know they're already dead, right? Okay, just so you know, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. Dude, this is like crazy stuff going on, right? And they're talking to Jesus. Imagine, hey, come to prayer. We're having prayer service the last Sunday of this month. Why don't you show up? Woo, there's Jesus. Is that Elijah and Moses also there at Radius Church? I mean, that's what's going on. This is what they're seeing, and Jesus is talking with them. Watch. It goes on. Uh, Can I get the next one? Peter and his companions were very sleepy. In other words, it's like they're waking up, like, whoa, dude. All right? Okay. Uh, But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. I'm skipping forward a little bit. A cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Who wouldn't be? Right? Right? A voice came from heaven, or from the cloud, excuse me, saying, this is my son, watch this, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Hold on, i got to unpack this. Because you cannot say of the Lord what you are not hearing of the Lord. And God opens up heaven and says, hey guys, knock, knock. Hello McFly. Hey, listen up. I want you to, hear what he is saying because he has a new message and it's a message of grace it's not a message of the law come on it's a message of redemption and i want you to say grace but before you say grace come on you got to hear grace ah have you ever have you ever known anybody that has a speech impediment because they don't hear right right And, and and i'm not throwing anybody under the bus but it is a known fact that if you don't hear correctly you don't speak correctly there's always there's always a disadvantage in the verbiage because of a disadvantage in the hearing church I want you to make this new year a year of hearing what the word of God says I want you to hear the voice of God it's why I told you last Sunday go buy a Bible because we're going to dive into more chapters and more books of the Bible than we ever have because we got to hear what the Lord is saying when the wind is blowing come on everyone now, can I, can I geek out on you a minute? Let me break this verse down. Let me just give you some stuff that maybe you don't care about. It might not change your life, but I studied it, so I'm going to bring it to you. Check it out. He brought three men with him up on that mountain to pray. He brought Peter, he brought James, and he brought John. Mm, very interesting. I don't have time to talk to you about the three, but the word Peter, it means, well, Well, Peter actually means uh, rock rock. Sometimes, depending on how it's used, it has two definitions in the Greek. It means stone, and it means rock. When, when, when we see it used in the word stone, it represents something. Mm-hmm. It represents, remember I told you not too long ago I preached on the stone tablets, and every time we see the word stone in Scripture, it represents the law. Hmm. And he also brought James with him. James is the, old, is the New Testament version of the Old Testament name Jacob. Jacob means supplanter or replacement. Ah. And he also brought John. You always got to have John with you. John is the best. John writes about himself. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. You know he's the man, right? All right. Here's John. His name means grace. Are you with me so far? God says to these three men, I want you to hear him. I want you to see the symbolism here. I want you to see what is happening here on the Mount of Transfiguration. What's happening is that the law, the rock, has been replaced, James, uh, with grace. John, I said the law has been replaced with grace. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Come on. The law has been replaced. Aren't you glad that your salvation is not dependent on you, but your salvation is dependent on His grace? It's been replaced. And God is saying, listen to what He says, because the law is now being replaced with grace. Oh, I love that. Now, I want you to notice real quick the two men that were on the mountain that showed up and talking to Jesus. And, and the first one was Moses. Remember who Moses is? Moses is the lawgiver. Then Elijah, he is a prophet, the most powerful prophet perhaps in the Old Testament, and his job in the Old Testament was to come along and remind the people, or to be the restorer of the law because they had gone astray from the law. Hmm. So we got Jesus talking to the lawgiver and the law restorer, and a voice from heaven tells Peter, James, and John. I don't want you to listen to those guys anymore. <laughs> I don't want you to listen to Moses. And I don't want you to listen to the lawgiver and the law restorer. I want you to listen to him. Jesus, the grace giver, the law fulfiller. Listen to him. Come on, everybody. Listen to him. I know you got to have time to process that. Okay, let me give you a minute so you can say amen, all right? Right? Don't listen. It's not, it's not the law message. It's not the prophet's restoration of the law. It's here's Jesus, and God says, listen to him. And I'll proclaim one more time. We cannot say of the Lord unless we are hearing of the Lord. Can I tell you what you don't need? You don't need another church service telling you why you're not good enough. You don't need another church service telling you why you can't be in the church's membership. You don't need another church service to bring more condemnation. You don't need another church service to tell you what a bigger big sinner you are. What you need is to come into a life-giving place that reminds you that He is the grace giver. Come on. And we are under His grace and that all my past sin and all my present sin and all my future mess-ups, they are under Jesus Christ and I am under grace. Listen to Him. Amen, everybody. Come on all right all right all right i gotta i gotta move on you guys are the slowest bunch of listeners i've ever preached to all right let me give you something else real quick you can look it up the road to emmaus remember he's dead i think it's in luke 24 jesus they thought jesus is dead and two of the disciples are walking to emmaus and a stranger comes along and they didn't know it was jesus and jesus begins to talk to them he's talking to them about grace He's talking to them about how He was evident through the whole Testament. They walked 20 miles. I don't know, how long does it take you to walk 20 miles? 20 days? I, I mean, I don't know. But, but, but the whole time, they said that this stranger talked to them about His Word. Mm. And, they went, and when they got to their destination, here's what it says. Their hearts did burn inside of them. You want your hearts to burn for Jesus? Then hear about Jesus. And hear about how much He loves you. Remind yourself, faith comes by hearing. With your own voice, talk about, thank you for your grace. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for dying on the cross. And because of that, there is now therefore no condemnation because I am in the shadow of El Shaddai. Amen? Amen? All right. Can we go a little bit further? Okay, I'm going to. All right, ch- number two. The second thing in verse number two is this. is He says, the Lord shall abide under the shadow, uh, and I will say of the Lord. It's not that you're saying anything. Your verbiage has to be about the Lord. So watch this. The Lord in, 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 in the Hebrew is Yahweh, or it's the covenant-keeping God. Aren't you glad he's the covenant-keeping God? That's why I make such an old-fashioned, blatant statement like, if you're living together out of wedlock, stop it. Because we're trying to be under the shadow of a covenant-keeping God, and you're not in a covenant. Well, it's just a piece of paper. No, it's God's design and God's covenant. Can I at least get a grandma or grandpa to amen me here? (laughs) All right, well, I'll move on. Romans chapter number 10. It says, I will say, watch what he says. He says, the Lord. I will say, of the Lord. See, a lot of people want Jesus as Savior, but they're not sure if they want Him as Lord. I like to come to church because when I come to church, I get a golden ticket and I'm not going to a booger man's hell. So I love Him as Savior. Yeah, but are you honoring Him as Lord? Does He have Lord, supreme authority? John the Baptist told us, I must become less so he can become more. He knew him as Lord. Hmm. And we quote this verse every single week in this place, Romans chapter number 10. Seven people gave their heart and life to Jesus last week, right after I quoted this verse, Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth, I will say of the Lord. If you declare with your mouth. See, it's not enough to think it. God is a talking God. And He wants us to be a talking people. That's why we praise. That's why I beg you for an amen. Or a that's right, that'll work. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Period. Doesn't say if you have the right translation of Bible. Doesn't say if you go to the right church. Doesn't say if you carry the biggest Bible or come from a lineage of a bunch of Christians. It says if you will declare with your mouth that He is Lord, He is Yahweh, and you believe in your heart. Isn't that good stuff, everybody? Come on, I'm going to go a little farther. Number three, that he is our refuge. Let me just hit this one real quick. He hits two words here that, that we can say of the Lord. He is our refuge and our fortress. Two words here. First one is he, he's our refuge. The word uh, refuge in the Hebrew is machach. <laughs> all right? And, uh, and that's why I didn't put it on the screen because I'm not sure if I pronounced it right and I didn't want somebody to say you didn't pronounce that right. So anyway, all right? Look it up yourself. Okay, what it means, it means shelter from a storm and 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 it, a refuge is something that we go to in a smaller battle it's just like a little fort it's like come on any guys like westerns in here you know you just hide behind a hay bale cuz bullets can't go through a hay bale <laughs> seen a shoot him up the other day the guys hiding behind a wagon wheel anyway that's why we like those movies ain't it makes us feel invincible come on guys can I get a grunt all right so right okay so our refuge is for just the everyday it's symbolic of the everyday little storms going into a meeting oh god help me in this meeting gonna sit down with somebody that you have a struggle with oh lord be my refuge right now protect my heart right now that's kind of why he says refuge and fortress because he cares about the little issues and the big issues Okay, so he's your refuge. Uh, It's a place in a storm. I I remember when we lived in Michigan, I came home one day, and there was tornado warning, sirens going off. If you've ever lived in a place of tornadoes, it's freaky. I walked in the door, everybody was gone, and, and Patty, the kids were real little. Patty had the kids down in the basement, hunkered down, and that was their refuge, right? So that's what he's saying. But then he says, I'm also your fortress. In, 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 in Hebrew, the word fortress, I think I brought this one. Uh, it's matswad. It, it means stronghold or castle. How many know that's bigger and badder than a hay bale? How many know what I'm talking about, Right. This is, this, this is symbolic of the, uh, 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 it's a place of defense. It's a place of protection. It's for the large-scale attacks. It's for demonic attacks that are on your life. Now imagine when you're going through tough times, you get to dwell in the secret place, and he is your fortress. That's why Hebrews 13.5 says this, He promised to never leave us or never forsake us let me do a little bit of dive on that subject and then i'll do the last point watch this matthew just jot this down for time uh matthew give me my Matthew. matthew 27 verse number 46 okay a fortress i'll never leave you a fortress is unmovable jesus said i'm unmovable he said in hebrews i'll never leave you or forsake you anybody glad for that So watch this. If he'll never leave you or forsake you, let me show you the root of where that comes from. Matthew 27, verse number 46. Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he asks a question. Does anybody know the question? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wait a minute. He's a fortress. He will never forsake us. Yet Jesus is asking the question of His Father. If I'm promising you that God will never forsake you, then why is Jesus hanging on the cross going, Why have you forsaken me? Oh, Jesus is on the cross. And in that moment, all of our sins were poured on Jesus. And because God his Father is holy, God turned His back on Jesus because He's holy. Because God should have turned His back on us. But Jesus said, I'll take it all and I will be forsaken so that Hebrews is true and you will never be forsaken. That deserves a praise right there. Think about this. He took our place and was rejected by God, forsaken by God so that you and I would never have to experience being out of the presence and the protection of God even when COVID is happening. All right, you can believe it or not. I'm glad you three believe it. Okay, here we go. So, so uh, I mean, it's a powerful thought. When the wind is blowing, guys, he's our fortress. He was forsaken, so you won't be in the storm. Somebody in this room or watching online right now is going through the craziest hell you've ever been through in your life and you feel like you're going down for the last time. I want somebody to hear me say the 15th bell has not rung yet and he is as close as the mention of his name and he promised he will never forsake you and just because you can't feel him does not signify that he is not there. That's where faith has to kick in. Come on, everybody. And I want to remind you that all the evidence on the outside is contrary to what you know on the inside. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Come on and say a good amen. Then he says these last two things. He says in verse number two, he's my God and I will trust him. Let me close with this. My God, the word God there is the Elohim God. Elohim means he's the creator God. And again, I've already talked about imagine him creating something out of nothing. He is my God. He's not a God. He's my God. Notice the personal pronoun. He's my God. He's Mike. I need a solution to a problem. I know, isn't it great that we serve God, Elohim, Creator God, that He can create a solution in the middle of your problem? He's a Creator God. He's already created everything. He had the answer before you ever knew you had a problem. He's the Creator God, right? Okay, I've got to move on. He's the God that I will trust. The last word is trust. There's 12 words in two verses. The God that I will trust. Let me give you a couple thoughts here. Because I hear some Christians, and, and I, I know I'm going to be controversial on this subject. I always am. But there are some Christians that say, if you have enough faith, you'll never have fear. I disagree. Because I don't even know that I need faith until I feel the fear. Until the storm is blowing so much that I think, oh God, this is it. And that's when my faith has to believe I'm going to get through this somehow some way it doesn't feel like it doesn't look like it doesn't taste like it doesn't smell like it but I'm going to trust in a God I'm going to trust him in the dark time I'm going to trust him in the dark times what he told me in the light times I'm going to trust him when I can't trace him in other words if you've ever been afraid of doing something if you've never felt butterflies come on I would just say this be afraid and do it anyway Can I just say, this? here's just a little side note. If if your dreams don't make you afraid a little bit, your dreams aren't big enough. (laughs) My dream, I don't even share with you what I think five years down the road is going to look like because it'll freak some of you out. And they scare me too. My wife and I, we moved back to this town and I was scared to death to plant this church. See, it's one thing to look at what's happening now, four years in, five with the year of just doing meetings. And it's easy to look at it now and go, wow, that is amazing. But you weren't gathered together in front of me the year before we did this, the year that we sold everything we owned, the year that we packed our clothes into a trailer and started the drive and got in a wreck and showed up here. And wasn't sure what people would think about us when we showed up here. But I'll tell you now, I was afraid. I didn't want to do it. I was the You guys have no clue how stupid I was. I, well, maybe you do. I don't know. But keep it to yourself if you do. <laughs> I was so afraid to come back to the valley that I had this crazy idea. And, and we started a Bible study in Everett go to the valley i don't want to go to the valley nobody wants to go to the valley and so then i moved a little closer and started for our first year of meetings in stanwood that's like kind of putting your toe in the water say hey i'm obeying god Whoop whoop. i was afraid but i'm glad i did it anyway trust in the lord amen everybody Trust is faith, and God rewards faith. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. Where does God want you to trust Him? Where's your area of biggest fear right now, the area of biggest resistance? Any football fans in the room? The air, I know the Seahawks are out, so we've got no football fans now. All right. <laughs> Faith, yeah. yeah. The place of, listen to this statement. The place of your greatest resistance, goal line, is the place of your greatest breakthrough. You ever seen goal line stands? The big guys come out. You're struggling and stressing right now because the devil sent the big guys out. But you're inches away from the score of your life changing. Come on, that's for somebody. But what you got to do is dwell in the shadow of the Most High and say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, and He is my God, personal pronoun God, in whom I will trust even when I feel the butterflies. I'm going to follow Him in the waters of baptism even though I feel the butterflies. I'm going to trust Him in my finances and start honoring Him with my finances even though I feel butterflies. D- can I go on, or did you guys write? Come on, everybody. I'm done right there. Would you stand with me? I got to stop. I got to stop right there.